The reality of life is there are always challenges. And some of the most important skills that we can develop and wisdom that we can gain is what are the thought processes? What are the, the ways that we can allow ourselves to think during those times of difficulty? How do we find comfort? How do we find consolation? How do we find strength? Also, how do we offer all of those things to Exactly, exactly. We go through our challenges in order, yes, for ourselves and our own growth, but also to bring comfort to other people. Everything that happens to you is meant to happen, every time without exception. And it might not seem fair or right in the moment, but if we're able to see what five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line, if we're able to see the story be complete, we would never really be able to question any process we ever go through. Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 55. Woo, yes. How are you doing there? Very excited to share some of these uh, ideas with you and our listeners. So this episode, we're going to share stories, lessons, and sayings that we've heard at the right time and that had a profound impact on us. Some inspired us, some made us think or rethink how we were doing things. They kind of stopped us in the moment and uh, some kind of shift or understanding occurred. And I, I like the idea of stories. I think that's the way most people are teaching now, you know, because we are storytellers by nature. It's how we see the world. It's how we learn things. They can comfort us. They can terrify us. They can advise us. So consider this story. Once upon a time- Do I little, know this story? No, you do not. You do not know all things that come from my mouth. Once upon a time, a little girl named Allison awoke in the middle of the night. Her room was filled with bright moonlight, but Allison couldn't see the moon. She put on her slippers, opened the front door of her house, and stood in front of her yard, peering up at the sky. But she still couldn't see the moon. Allison wondered maybe if the moon was playing a game of hide and seek. So Allison decided to look for the moon across the street. She looked both ways, but when she was across, still there was no moon. Allison kept searching and searching for the moon, and before she knew it, she was hopelessly lost. Nothing around her looked familiar. Where was the big oak tree she could see from her window? Where were the blue shutters on Mrs. Peterson's house? And Allison became very afraid. So it's easy to see how effective a story can be if you say it this hey, way. What happened at the, is that the end of the story? Wait, okay. rather, because the point of the story is... I'm worried for Allison. <laughs> <laughs> the point of the story is the lesson for she a lost child this day. would be to never go outside, right? And of course, when it's dark at night, you know, don't well, leave the Well, the lesson is to finish the story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't uh, like my Allison story. No, 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 no please. The, is that the end of the story, though? That's the point of the story. Okay, that's the so. end of the story for now. Okay. okay? If you want to make up a, a yes. part two and you want to play that game, that can be yes. our whole podcast where we finish <laughs> off and lead to the other. I'm, I'm game on. Yes. But the point of me telling. In my version of the story, Allison <laughs> finds her way home very quickly. Of course she does, because you don't like sad stories <laughs> exactly. or ones with unhappy endings. Yes, exactly. she was lost forever, Michael. <laughs> But the point of the story and storytelling is if I wanted to teach our children, don't go outside when it's dark outside, or even if you're curious, telling the story of Allison would obviously impact never them came more. Home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then there are the times that someone pointed out the very obvious, and it was exactly what we needed to hear. So in this book that inspired both of us that we're going to share parts of, The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. He tells a story, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but his father gave the advice because they were, in fact, lost in the woods. But when you're lost in the woods, if you walk in a straight line, you'll come to the other side. So he used that example. 
for many times in life when he was in depression, basically, if you walk in a straight line, you'll find yourself on the other side of it. And it reminds me of a story, actually, when I was pregnant with Miriam, our third child, I was really more fearful, I think, with that delivery than any other, just because of the experience I had had just a year before, as I've shared with Josh, and it was a C-section, and it was kind of very urgent. And I was sharing with a friend that I'm I'm feeling a little bit, uh, a lot of trepidation, and I'm worried. And she looked at me, she says, you know, my grandmother told me that don't worry, because everything's going to be okay in the end, the baby always comes out. (laughs) And it was so obvious, but hearing it in that moment, right, it was exactly what I needed to hear. And actually, it helped me release a lot of fear I had. At that point, it was two weeks overdue. and, uh, And it did, it did help. Yeah, and I think right a, a big part of what we want to share today has to do with Allison, <laughs> <laughs> but also what we can tell ourselves and or our friends who are going through challenging times. Because the reality of life is there are always challenges, and some of the most important skills that we can develop and wisdom that we can gain is what are the thought processes, what are the the ways that we can allow ourselves to think during those times of difficulty? How do we find comfort? How do we find consolation? How do we find strength? Also, how do we offer all of those things to others? Exactly, exactly. And by the way, I think one of the important understandings is, is that everything that we go through, we go through for ourselves, but we also go through it for other people, be it our children or our friends. And I have been very inspired many times in life, meeting people, especially those who have been awakened spiritually, who at one point in their lives went through a very challenging situation. And they came to the other side of it, realizing that that traumatic pain can actually be a way of bringing comfort to other people. There's, I wasn't even sure that, I, that I, I thought about this as I was thinking about preparing for this podcast. I thought about this one story about a great sage from about 2,000 years ago. It's a very uh, difficult story, but I'll share it, because it goes to the point that I just said, which is that often it's helpful to view the pain that we go through as a way to prepare us to be teachers. And teachers doesn't mean that you're giving a lecture to a thousand people, but helping one other person who might be might have gone through or is going through the same challenge. And the story is told about a great sage in the Talmud that he had, uh, which was much more common, of course, thousands of years ago, that many of his children passed away in in their either childbirth or or very young. And whenever he would come to the house of somebody who was mourning the death of a child, he would say, here is a bone of my 10th child who has died. Obviously, that's a very, that's a very, very morbid. And so I, wasn't, I wasn't planning on sharing yeah, it. I'm not sure you should I'm have. not sure you should have. Yes, well, sorry if, if it's a little... But, but the idea, of course, is, even from the very difficult stories, that... I'm still in shock, yes. <laughs> that w- we go through pain, and of course, hopefully none of us ever reach any level or anything close to the type of pain in that story, but that we go through our challenges in order, yes, for ourselves and our own growth, but also to bring comfort to other people. One of the ideas that, that it's interesting, you know, when I learn from my father, often, obviously, we learn from books and from sages, but every once in a while, he would share with me something that he had learned from his mother. His mother was a very in his own, I never got to meet her. She passed away in ni- 1962, and I was born in 1973. So I think he only had like two pictures of her or something. Yeah, yeah. She's very so. sweet. The pictures very are cute. very sweet. Yeah. He, he, uh, very sweet face. Very sweet face. And he very much uh, revered his mother and, and thought of her as a very righteous woman. But and one of the things, and I've seen this written in other places, and this is wisdom, I think, shared in, in many other places, but that in life, 
we have to look at life as a totality, right? What happens often is that when something difficult is happening to us, we focus on that. And that is the totality of our being, the totality of our life. When, of course, in reality, no matter what situation we are going through, it almost never is the totality of things. It is one aspect, often a very small aspect, but sometimes a very big aspect. And we would often like to think, you know, if I could only get rid of this thing, right? If I, or if I only didn't have to feel this pain, or if I don't only didn't have to go through this challenge. But the reality is, she would tell my father, and he counted it to us, that if you imagine everybody took the totality of their life as a package, and you brought all of humanity together, and they all threw up their packages, and it was all in one big pile, everybody would wind up going back, and the, the, the idea being, you are allowed to now pick whichever package you want. Of course, the good and the bad. Everybody would wind up picking up their own package again. The idea, of course, is that, yes, there are parts of our lives that are challenging, there are parts of our lives that are painful, but if we look at it in totality, the reality is that we are blessed with the totality of life. And I think it's often important, whether we're going through a big challenge or a small challenge, or great pain or a small pain, to see it in the perspective of the totality of my life. And what that means, and this is a thought that I often use, and I know I share this with you, something happens, upsetting, disappointing. The ego nature is to simply focus on that, and that, I mean, if it's painful, if it's, if it's difficult, it darkens everything else that we can think about in our lives. The Baal Shem Tov, the great Kabbalist, uses the example of the sun shining, and the, it's a beautiful day. But you could take a penny and put it on your eye, and take two pennies, put them in both of your eyes, and now everything is dark. And he said, how crazy is it that two pennies, worthless, can block out the great force and light of the sun. Of course, in reality, we do that every day. We do that every single day. We get a, an annoying text, we get a, a, a challenging phone call. Again, and of course, there's a gamut of things, but I think it's often easy to see the wisdom in the small things that we allow to, to darken our life. Too often, we are not focusing on the totality of our life, and therefore, totality of blessings, but allow pennies, completely often in unimportant things, to obscure the great light that is our life. Mm -hmm. And even and when the challenges are greater, if we have the ability, and that's why I think it's so important when the small things happen, force yourself to use this thought and say, I am not going to allow a penny, to obscure the great light of my life. And the reason why that's so important, because yes, in life there are going to be those challenges that are maybe more easily removed through this thought, but you're really building a muscle. If you're able to constantly, in the small times, small annoyances, go back to this thought, I am not allowing, not going to allow, maybe it takes me 10 minutes, an hour, three hours, a day, I'm not allowing that unimportant thing, or important thing, to obscure the totality of the light of my life. Well, it's really a, a paradox, because the, we get upset about the smallest things every single day. And you wake up in the morning, you didn't go like you wanted, you know, you were exhausted, you want to go back to sleep, like your day just starts wrong, and it's one thing after the other, and then you realize that you don't have gas in the car, you're going to be late for a meeting, and the whole day kind of unravels like that. 
and, and it could be like little little small annoyances, right? That you don't want to deal with. And then it's like, you just see black. The day is wrong. Forget about the day, my life. And everything bad happens to me. Yeah, then that whole narrative, the storyteller in us then gives a whole story yeah, that's story. dark. That's, I'm, still, I'm still reeling for the, for the pain of that Allison story. But sometimes we wake up when these, you get a big phone call, right? A, a health scare or somebody you love. And then you're like, I'm throwing all my pennies away. It's just life is too important and valuable to ever get down about something so the small things right, of time. Right. Um, and yeah, but like I said, it's a muscle you have to build. It's a muscle you have right, to build. Right. Every day you have day. to say, I'm I'm gonna donate the Penn Haste to charity. And it's just it's not gonna be something that blocks my vision. Absolutely. So that reminds me of a teaching actually from your father, the Rav. Uh and this was, I remember again, one of those moments in life that really changed me and changed my experience of that moment. And it was when we, uh, two days after I gave birth to Josh, we came home from the hospital. And, you know, another paradox, because on one hand, we were excited to have a newborn. We had been waiting for a long time to welcome our second child. On the other hand, there was a fear, especially for me, beneath the surface of every happy feeling I had that was terrifying me. And there was a mix of feelings, many, like a multitude when we came home. And I remember it was in the afternoon. David was uh, three and a half. Our oldest. Three. Time. I think he was three. Um, and he was uh, at school or and I was sitting in bed. And I think you were sitting with me. We were talking. And again, I was having a lot of emotions, many hormones in my body. And we get a knock on the door. And uh, it's your father. The, the rub walks in. And he just looks at us. And then he pulls up a chair by the side of the bed and he just sits there and we sit in silence for really, I would say, good 10, 15 minutes. And uh, I didn't feel the need to say anything again. I was so raw, you didn't either. We're just literally sitting in silence. And then the Rav looks at me and he says simply, it didn't just happen to you. And in that moment, all the shame I had been feeling that it was somehow my fault or that I deserved to have a hard time as a mother, whatever my belief system at that time was, which is different today, whatever fear I had in that moment, it was really 75% removed. And the Rav taught me such a powerful lesson in that moment. And that was the power of empathy and kindness and compassion because he was so complete in that way in all of his life. But in that moment, he really offered that completely to us. And it was such a lesson for me in life. Um, not just for me to understand that when things happen to me in life, my perspective is different now. I don't think I experience things in that way, but still uh, it's not just happening to me because I'm connected to all of humanity and to all of the world. And I do believe at our greatest, we want the best for one another, but also in my ability, hopefully to offer that to other people when they're going through something challenging. Because I think when things feel dark in the moment, it's like, we feel like it's only happening to us. The weight of that is on our shoulders. We can't see the forest from the trees. We're, we're just like paralyzed pretty much. But this gives you a perspective and understanding a comfort that um, that is true and also needed. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of an ancient teaching that is, it says that, the trouble of the many is half of the consolation. Mm. That when there's more than you, and you realize it's not just me that my, you know, that I have the support, and I'm going through this with my family, my friends. And when you can give that to somebody, 
you're not going through this alone. And their well-being is dependent on my well-being, and my well-being is dependent on theirs, which is another layer to that, right? right? It's not just, right. I feel you, or I'm there right. for you. It's more like we are connected in, in the deepest, most important ways. And it reminded me of one of my, one of what story that has inspired me for many, many years. It's about a man whose child was not uh, doing well. What's this the theme with? We're not supposed to, <laughs> children dying and depression. No, no, no. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I think for so many people that it it's is, true, it is yeah. often a great source. Not just you know the, the terrible situation, but I think children are often a, a source of of worry, if not, sure. if not, if not, if not worse. So the story is that. Um, so he wanted to go to a, a great spiritual giant to maybe pray and help to open up some gates to bring healing to his child. And the story goes that he goes to the to the capitalist, and he sits there with the capitalist. He tells him the problem that the doctors really don't know what to do. And the capitalist sits there in meditation and prayer for hours, trying to see if he can find a way to awaken some, open some supernal gate to bring healing to the child. And after hours of trying and meditating and praying, he finally turns to the father and he says, "I'm so sorry." I've tried everything, but there's nothing that I can do. And then the man, of course, is broken. This was his last hope. The doctors can't help, and now his spiritual teacher can't help. He gets on his horse and he starts driving back home. About a half hour into his ride, he sees his teacher on a horse behind him, running, rushing towards him. He's getting excited. He thinks you know, maybe his teacher mm-hmm. was able to, with more meditation, with miracle. more prayer, create a miracle. So he stops. He waits on the side of the road by a, on a rock, waiting for his teacher. And his teacher catches up with him, and he turns to his teacher. He says, "So, expecting, of course, to hear, oh, I was able to awaken, awaken I, oh, a miracle. I really think everything is going to be okay." He says to his student, the teacher does. He says, "I'm sorry. There's still nothing that I can do. But when you left, I said to myself." If I can't pray with you and help you, the least I can do is cry with you. And the story goes that they sat together on the on the on the rock on the side of the road, and they cried together for hours. And if you really understand, it's not just like tears and I moved, but like really, he carried his pain with him, as if it was his own. In fact, it was his own, right? That that's and and the story actually ends as it's told that the child was healed, but that's not really. The lesson, right? The lesson is, and this is the lesson that we're talking about, that there's always something that we can do for somebody else, especially if somebody's going through a challenge or through pain. And and tying it back to ourselves, the reality is that the more we do that, the more light of support and consolation we have for ourselves. So it's important to do it not just because we want to do the the action of sharing for our friend, but also because that's what builds the muscle of strength and consolation for ourselves. Which, and as you were talking, reminded me of another very important idea that, when focused on, when we're going through challenging times, can help us find comfort. And that is because you were sharing, you know, you know, how blessed we are now. You know, this is twenty, almost twenty years, nineteen years later, since Josh was born. At the time, of course, we had a different thought process, experience of it. Experience of it. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things, and we talk about this often. When a new challenge comes, and I recommend this for our listeners as well, think about a challenge that you had five years ago, a year ago, ten years ago, 
that you were able to overcome, that that the, your your darkest thoughts about it did not come true. As a matter of fact, maybe it even you realized that it became such an amazing blessing for you. And I think knowing, giving yourself that knowledge, I've been through something like this before. Maybe I've been through something more difficult. Maybe I've been through something less difficult. But I have been through things like this before, mm -hmm. and I've come through it. And my perspective on it has often changed. How many times in life, and I ask our listeners to think about this, if you, and we all have lived lives with challenges great and small, almost always, speaking for ourselves, and I'm sure for most of our listeners, we've come through them. We've come through them with strength. Often we've, well, come, we've come through them. How you've come through them is different for everybody. But I think I think for the mo for many of our listeners, I believe this is true. You came through them, and in retrospect, much better than you thought it was going to be. Your darkest thoughts about it did not come true. I'm just going into song in my head again, like Good I song. often do on Good our song. podcast. Alice, poor Allison, sitting <laughs> no, all alone. No, I made it through the wilderness. Uh. Somehow I made it through. Great. You have actually, such a better voice actually, than I do, and you never we, we've sing. Got, we've, got a lot of, talking, we've got a lot of sure. emails from our listeners complaining <laughs> that you haven't sung often. So sure. thank you. Thanks, Monica. And I'm sure our listeners are very uh, happy. Next, you need to but, bust out in song. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think that that's an important idea, that when you're going through a challenge, when you're going through a difficulty, recount something a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, where especially those, and it's important to keep this, you know, sort of this memory of especially the times that we thought were terrible, right? I, mean, you know, I can think of at least three off the top of my head. Well, we, the most profound uh, life-changing moments I had started that it was terrible, right? And that's where I was, and how could this, and I'm suffering, I'm, I'm not suffering, but I'm in, I'm uncomfortable, or I'm in pain. And, and those turned out to be like the golden gems of my life that actually, if I look back and say, okay, what really changed me, altered me for the better? Of course, that was the way I wanted to experience it. I, I shifted it. But those are the moments that I remember. Like, I mean, I do remember the great vacation, or you know, the day we took a walk and by the stream. And yes, but the ones that truly I feel made an imprint on my soul and therefore changed the direction or how I experienced the direction I was going in were those moments. And that's sure. what we're saying to our listeners: is that I think it's always important to think about this. But certainly, when a new new challenge comes, a new pain comes. Stop for a moment and don't focus on the new pain, but remember a pain that you experienced before, a challenge you experienced before that you, not only did you overcome, like you said, but you actually found it to be a tremendous blessing, a tremendous growth opportunity. And say to yourself, even though the ego is going to say something else, the ego is going to say, oh, this is the worst. It's never going to change. It's going to stay dark. Your whole life is now dark. No. I've been, I've, I've got this, like you often say. I've been through similar, maybe worse, maybe not as bad, and I've gotten through it, and often I've gotten through it in a better shape than going into it. You know, a way that I shortcut to go exactly there is when something happens that I'm not really excited about, I say to myself, I don't think I've even shared this with you, and I say this often. Oh, I love learning new things about you. Uh, so that happened. So that happened, right? Then from that, I can choose how I want to respond to it. Like it's happened. I'm not going to be upset about why it happened or what. It happened very matter of factly. And then I choose my response. So it shifts being like a bystander to actually be a, a creator of your life. Interesting, right? Because th that thought means to me also that 
often when it's not a big it's not the end of the world well and not just that when the challenges occur rather than focusing on how do i move forward from here or how do i deal with it we often spend a lot of time trying to figure why did this happen why did he or she do this None of the answers to those questions are going to change anything. Exactly. Usually. I mean, you can go back and revisit do you want that relationship anymore? Or do you want to change how you live your life? Okay. But, but to stop the reaction and to go down the rabbit hole, right? And right. spiral. So that happened. Right. It's really matter of factly. And right. it, for me, it really shifts. You know, I have a little Scorpio in my chart. I can tend to see things a little dark. Sometimes. <laughs> but that's that's how I stop that. And it reminds me of one of my more favorite Robert Frost quotes. I believe it's a Robert Frost quote. You know, they asked him, you know, what have you learned about life? And he just said, it goes on. Mm -hmm. Right. And the idea being that rather than than focusing on this one thing, again, be it negative or dark or painful even, there's going to be life that can hopefully, right, that continues onward in most of the situations. So, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this this book, which I, we, we both find inspiring, mm-hmm. uh, called The Comfort Book by Matt Haig, and really to the point that we were just talking about, this idea that the fallacy of our mind telling us in the times of challenge, this is, you know, this is the darkest, it's going to be dark forever. And and I won't three, wrote, read through all of it, because it's a relatively long few paragraphs, but I, but I really, really love, and again, I really think for our listeners, this can be another shortcut to, to at least taking steps towards finding comfort in the challenging times. He says, for instance, when I was 24, I was convinced I would never see my 25th birthday. I knew for certain that I wouldn't be able to survive for weeks or months with the mental pain I was suddenly encountering. And yet here I am, aged 45, writing this paragraph. And this is the the two words that I really like. Depression lies. Mm -hmm. And while the feelings themselves were real, the things they led me to believe were resolutely not. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't really understand how I fell into suicidal depression. I imagined I would never find my own way out. I didn't realize that there is something bigger than depression and really bigger than most of the dark times and pain that we experience in life. And that thing is time. Time disproves the lies depression tells. I think that is such a beautiful and profound idea. Mm -hmm. And again, you can, instead of depression, put in whatever pain you're going through right now, whatever difficulty you're going through right now. That, be it as real as it is, lies. It creates lies about the rest of your life. It creates lies about everything that's going to happen in the future. Time disproves the lies depression tells. Because you're able to see the story play out, right? Like, if he believed he only had one more year to live, and then 20 years later, he's still alive, well, you know, that... that. But I also think it's how you... What you do with time, right? Of course, but the reality is, but even just in the most basic way, like we Robert, talk about Fr- this. life goes on, and he, his words, time disproves the lies of whatever the darkness was telling us. Right. I mean, we see this a lot too when people behave very badly, and you see them making choices. And I'll say to you, like in twenty years from now, this is going to look very different, right? Because we do know that much about 
time. We know that much hopefully. about life. And hopefully we And can. it would be good or bad, depending on how a person continues to live. But for sure, it will play out in a way that you will absolutely see the other side of it. And interestingly, there, there's a phrase, another ancient phrase, which I really think about often, that truth lasts forever. The lies go away. In, in the 1920s, the one of our great teachers, Rav Ashlag, very controversial, because he was bringing ancient hidden wisdom to, to many people. It is a longer story, which we won't get into right now. And in a letter that he writes to his students, who were all upset, you know, all these people are saying such terrible things about you. And he says, he quoted that verse, the tongue of truth lasts forever, and the lies go away. Mm-hmm. And he used a few historical precedents for this, but that is the idea that the, the, the true things in life, which is not the darkness, which is not the pain, they will endure forever. The pain, the darkness is only always momentary. Mm-hmm. And I will read this a few more lines from here. Time showed me that the things depression imagined for me were fallacies, not prophecies. And I think that is so important, again, because probably the key to dispelling the great lie of darkness is that it will be here forever. And again, it li- it starts, and we all go through this, right? None of us are immune to this, where lies upon lies are then built upon that upon that fallacy. And then again, that doesn't mean time dissolves all mental health issues, but it does mean our attitudes and approaches to our own mind change and often improve via sticking around long enough to gain the perspective despair and fear refuse to give. That's true. That's powerful. And and that's what again as I think one of the key ways, again, this is a muscle you have to build. And that's why I will build, I would strongly recommend every single one of the listeners do this every single day. Remember that thing that's causing you a slight pain, a slight disappointment, a slight darkness, and say, you know, I'm not buying in to the story, as you said before, the storyteller part of me that's building all these lies on this truth, which is the pain that I'm feeling right now, Mm -hmm. because life goes on this pain, I will see, like we have had so many experiences, and as I said, many of our listeners have, five years later, ten years later, if it has not become an amazing source of great joy for you, it has not come to fruition in the darkest ways that you thought it would. By the way, you can fast forward the five years, ten years to see it by really asking yourself every day, you know, how can I shift this pain, or what is the opportunity here, or what is it really telling me? So, I want to share something, actually, from our oldest son, David, you know, he's often the source of uh, inspiration for me. And uh, I thought this was really inspiring. It's it's fun to also see him come into his own, you know, and say things that he doesn't really realize how profound they are in the moment. And I thought it was really profound because I often go through life telling people, you know, life is... Uh, A box too, of chocolates. No. <laughs> life is too short not to do what you love or not to do what inspires you. But he actually one day, when we were talking about different things, he said, you know, life is too short to do the wrong thing. And I thought that was really powerful because if you view life like that, then it kind of makes you take pause and stop before you maybe take a negative action or do something mindlessly or feed the ego or think it doesn't really matter and say, okay, well, how much time do I really have in this world? And what do I want to make of it, right? But then if you even take it a step further, forget about restricting from doing something really negative or damaging to somebody else or to yourself. But what about this? 
What about those times you're filled with anger or resentment and you can't offer forgiveness or apologize? I think that that is really how we go through life doing the wrong thing because what that leads to is more pain and more unhappiness and all the things we spoke about so far so that's why again like that one sentence if you actually when you're when you're met up against a a difficult decision to make or a problem and you're feeling angry and resentment and you just it's like eating at you right life is too short to do the wrong thing and in this case the wrong thing is to not take action obviously and not practice forgiveness Thank you, David, for that pearl of wisdom. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure he knew how deep <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. at the time, but we did. We talked yeah. about it, and hopefully he'll listen to this episode. <laughs> well, if we tell him he's mentioned it, I'm oh. sure he will. Um, another, no, he's not the, that child. Yeah, right. A different child would <laughs> in our family, but no. Another idea, which I, I often use, and I know we, we speak about this often, and it relates to the first idea we spoke of, is what happens when, when a challenge comes into our life, especially the small ones, but even the larger ones, a question that I always ask myself, and I know, and we have this conversation. If you look at your life in totality, which again we so so few times do, I think most of us would realize we are so unbelievably blessed. One. And then the question is It's cute when you say that because you're the only person I know in the world that says, you know, we're so unbelievably blessed. I think people will recognize that they have blessings. I have never met to this day somebody uh, which is beautiful, uh, and and it's good because I think that's the that's the bar, right? Right. But okay, so so <laughs> no, no, continue. Yeah, yeah. And then I love the question, it. and the question that I then ask myself when something is upsetting or annoying: Am I willing to pay this to keep all the rest of my blessings? Is this payment worthwhile? If it is, for payment for all the rest? And the answer almost always is, of course. What is the question? What our mind wants us well, to do... Well, when you do, say payment, I think you have to unpack that, because I think it can be confusing for people. Because I was saying, I was saying originally, right? life is a, to- is a total whole, which means what we like about life, what we do not like about life, what we see as blessings, what we see as challenges. And we like to think, well, okay, this person just did something to me. I am so upset, and this is almost 100% of my thought right now. And I do not think of the fact that, on some level, on a deeper spiritual level, this is part of what keeps the rest of my blessings standing. That there is always payment in life. You never earn, certainly never keep, great blessings without payment. And payment comes in many forms. Sometimes that payment is pain. Sometimes that payment is challenge. And if we ask ourselves that question, this is what I have. Those of us who are blessed with family, those of us who are blessed with work, those of us who are blessed with shelter, those of us who are blessed with food, and this person just annoyed me. Is that a worthwhile payment to keep all the rest of my blessings? I understand. The answer that, is almost always. Yes. So, is this to awaken appreciation in a person? Is that why there has to be this payment? Well, aspect? it's interesting because actually, it's, it, because I was having this conversation with David, but I don't, I don't know how deep we want to go into this. But all of us have positive and negative parts of us. All of us have positive things that we've done and negative things that we've done. In life, there is always a. If I have a blessing, that means I have to be at a certain state of spiritual being. 
if I've done negative things, and we all have, then how do I get rid of that so that that doesn't come in and bother the rest of my blessings? How do I make sure that my prior actions of selfishness or negativity don't well even from past incarnations. Forget about part. Yeah, past incarnations. I think most of us yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, most of us can can just think about our lives so far in this incarnation. An hour ago. Yeah. So, I'm aware of that. That I might not. I don't want to use the word deserve the totality of my blessings, but yes, there are things that I have done that maybe deserve some sort of negativity back because we know everything we do comes back to us. And do I want that negativity to impinge on any of my blessings, or am I so happy that this is the payment? You know, there's there's a word that my mother would often use when something would happen. You know, let's say even you break a vase in the house. Oh, okay, that's that's a worthwhile payment. Mm -hmm. I get to keep my health. I get to keep my family. I get to keep my. I think that perspective, which is that, as a payment for everything that I have. Oh yeah. Give me even more. And again, most of us don't have to go there. It's something my father would often say, but I am so happy that this is the payment. Yeah, somebody, you know, you know, often I'll talk to people who are like, you know, somebody said something really negative about me on Instagram, right? And like, and my question would be, okay, now let's look at all your life and all your blessings. Is this a good enough payment for today? Not for tomorrow. Tomorrow maybe it'll be a different payment. But for today, if that's what you have to pay to have all these blessings. Are you are you okay with that? The answer would be absolutely yes. Okay, this is this is I want to just pause for a sec. So let's say a person loses their wallet, right? And right. it's annoying to get a license. Five hundred dollars in there. You have to cancel your credit cards, and now you know this crazy person knows where you live. And okay, there's a whole, there's a, a bunch of issues there. But then you think about wow, if this is the payment for all the I get that the blessings that I have, and this is just like the easier way to kind of like cleanse the ego, let's say, or remove the ego. By having to deal with that and having the pain of that, I get it. But then I'll give another example. Let's say that somebody tore a tendon, right? And they love to work out and that's like their happy place and all of this. So payment almost sounds like punishment in that regard. Is it because they didn't appreciate what their body could do? So that's that's why I'm saying I think the way you're, I understand what you're saying, but I think there's a fine line between cause and effect or a negative kind of like payment versus versus a cleansing of an ego. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, yeah, I understand it's not an easy question to answer only because it's not something that we often like to accept. But being honest, as we always as are. As we always are. The answer is yes. And I understand that yes there are many, to all of what yes, I just yes. said. Me, me, meaning at a basic level, whatever I go through is either cleansing or payment or necessary for me to keep and have all the rest of the blessings that I have. And when that pain is very big, it's very hard to do what we just spoke about. And I understand that and accept that for ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. That does not take away from the truth of this reality, which is that what we go through in life is always, of course, an effect of our actions. The blessings that we have and the challenges are always balanced. And therefore, that question, am I willing to pay this, to have all the rest of my life, the answer... To keep all of that. To keep all the rest, the answer is almost always yes. Mm-hmm. Almost always yes. So that's the balance of our life. And But but again, I think this is, this is why this is so important, to 
work on developing this muscle all the time. Because, again, there is a gamut of, from, you know, the guy cutting me off on the highway, the guy saying something nasty to me at the supermarket, the guy trolling me on social media, tearing a tendon, and then, of course, you, you, one can continue that ladder of more and more pain. But if you are building that muscle, and I, this is something that I can tell you from practice, and you know, you, you experience this as well, if you are consistent in this thought process, which means, when the challenges come, the pain comes, you are able to remind yourself, there is a reason why this is here, and if this is a payment for the rest of the great things that I have in my life, it is a great, it is a bargain. Also, as you were speaking, well, the first three examples you gave, I mean, gosh, Michael, you've been busy. The guy trolling you, people following you the highway. I don't <laughs> no, know. this isn't me. These <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> the tendon one, though, is me. I'm fine to disclose that. I think, though, to be able to get to this place we're talking about, where you're like, yes, yes, no matter what, to keep all these blessings, I'm in it, right? This is okay to happen. Because I remember when I tore a different tendon two years ago, I was like, you know, it was very hard for me to to surrender, to let go of control, the desired outcome I wanted. And now when it happened this time, I was like, okay, I'm tired, actually. I need a rest. And just to really jump into appreciation. And so I think that, and then also it helps with healing, helps with everything else, right? So instead of fighting why these things are happening, or even questioning like, you know, and because I don't believe in the deserving thing in the negative way, but that there's an opportunity for sure here, right? I think it changes your experience, again, of your life and your responses to all things that happen to you, both bad, of course, but also good, because then you're like, it brings you back to this place if you're really paying attention to complete appreciation and gratitude for all the goodness that we have in life. Right. Just, just like that phone call we get about somebody you love that, you know, is going through a health crisis, whatever it is. It's like suddenly we kind of need those, like the needle scratching the the um, record where you. For like any of our listeners who actually know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> our listeners do, our children yeah. might not. And it scratches it, and suddenly you're like, you wake up from the fog and you're like, well, what was that? I need to pay attention here. Yeah. I would just say again a conversation that I had with our son the other day, and I strongly oh, believe David, this. David, we love you. Yes. That. If any one of us ever really appreciated the gift of life, it'd be impossible to ever be sad about anything yeah, except the extreme. You tell me that all the time. No, it's, it's so truth. true. But by the it's way, true. every time I hear it, every time yes. we say it, I get closer to, to yeah. get closer to living it, and that's why it's so important to repeat that over and over again. Yeah, I do want to share this one. Uh, this one last. One. I know you're the timekeeper. I I just read your mind. I think it's really important because it ties into this idea that we we're just talking about the power of perspective. So it's a Taoist fable, and I believe I told the story before, but I just I love it's a simple story, and the simplicity of it actually really excites me. So it's about an old farmer who had worked his crops for many years. When one day his horse ran away, upon hearing the news, his neighbors came to visit. Such bad luck, they said sympathetically. Maybe the farmer replied. The next morning, the horse returned, bringing with it three other wild horses. How wonderful, the neighbors exclaimed. Maybe, replied the old man. The following day, his son tried to ride one of the untamed horses, was thrown, and broke his leg. The neighbors again came to offer their sympathy for his misfortune. Maybe, answered the farmer. The day after, military officials came to the village to draft young men into the army. Seeing the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. 
The neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Maybe, said the farmer. So the message of the fable is simple. Everything that happens to you is meant to happen, every time without exception. And it might not seem fair or right in the moment, but if we're able to see what five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line, if we're able to see the story be complete, we would never really be able to question any process we ever go through. That's beautiful. Two things I would say to that story. One is that as you were reading it, and I've heard, obviously, you've shared this before, I've heard it before, that the neighbors are really our internal mind, right? Well, some people just have annoying it. Oh, yeah, no, so. but yeah, I think I think I because we're, these are stories we keep, we we're telling ourselves. Right. It's our it's our inner voice, it. our negative voice, right? That right. makes you doubt, worry, question every single thing that happens. And that idea that we only ever ever see one paragraph of a chapter in the story of our lives. In a moment in time. And how stupid it is to fall to the lie that this paragraph in a chapter in the story of my life is everything. So powerful, right? Yeah. And then I want to read this one last thing. I, I This really inspired me. I think because it just it spoke to uh, <laughs> the way I, I approach life, which is not the way that I used to. So it's called, It's Okay. It's okay to be broken. I'm sorry, this is from the comfort book again. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to wear the scars of experience. It's okay to be a mess. It's okay to be the teacup with a chip in it. That's the one with the story. Love that. It's okay to be sentimental and whimsical and cry bittersweet tears at songs and movies you aren't supposed to love. It's okay to like what you like. It's okay to like things for literally no other reason than because you like them and not because they're cool or clever or popular. It's okay to let people find you. You don't have to spread yourself so thin you become invisible. This really spoke to me too. I can imagine. (laughs) You don't have to always be the person reaching out. You can sometimes allow yourself to be reached. As the great writer Anne Lamott puts it, Lighthouses don't grow running all over an island for boats to save. They just stand there shining. I love that. It's okay not to make the most of every chunk of time. It's okay to be who you are. It's okay. Is that not so me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You could have written that for sure. I swear. Beautiful. I probably have written variations of that. But that was, um, it's a great book. This is a great, I enjoyed this uh, episode. Very much. So uh, we won't get to a letter. Oh, come on. Why are you always disappointing everybody, Michael? <laughs> but please do continue to send your letters, common stories. We will maybe read them maybe at read some them. point. Monica, Eventually. do not be <laughs> discouraging our <laughs> listeners from sending their stories. But honey, if you want them to send stories, you have to read no, them. No, <laughs> just be happy in the knowledge that it inspires us. <laughs> oh, so they don't need to know what's no, going to happen. Won't. You don't need to know the end of the story. With Allison? I'm, I'm going to have a nightmare <laughs> no, with Allison what, what, tonight. <laughs> when we're going <laughs> to read old it. Allison. Yeah, She's sure. now like 100 years old in the middle of the forest. Uh-huh. Anyway, please continue to send your... They do inspire us, and we will you share them. You know what I'm going to do when we're sleeping tonight? I'm going to whisper in your ear. Allison. Ah. Please do continue to send your stories, questions, comments to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. We will continue to read them. We read all of them. We will continue to share them with our listeners. I'm sure they will bring great inspiration to our listeners. But please, please continue to send them. (laughs) Also, continue to go to Apple uh, and wherever you get your podcasts, write five star reviews, share this podcast with as many people as you can. 
And um, I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Because we enjoyed. We did. Bye.